the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome. Uh, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. The number is 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. We've been talking about a lot of things. We might switch the subject up a little bit now at 303 303- 873-1935. If you'd like to join me on um, the program, I was talking a little bit uh, about some of the headlines, and I'm going to get to that. But before we get to the headlines, let me um, tell you about the American Minute. These are notable events of American significance remembered on the date that they occurred. Most people know that today is Abraham Lincoln's birthday. And if you were a kid growing up in the 50s and the 60s, you know that the original uh, President's Day usually took place about February 12th, which is right about now. But I guess uh, President's Day is next Monday. But what you may not know is that um, both Abraham Lincoln and Charles Darwin were born on the exact same day, February 12th, 1809. And I'm going to get to the American Minute here in just a moment, but my grandfather was born in 1909, 100 years after the birth of Charles Darwin and Abraham Lincoln. But, again, notable events of American significance remembered on the date that they occurred by my friend Bill Federer, and he writes for today. He says, but their lives had completely different effects. Lincoln is best known for freeing the slaves by issuing the Emancipation Proclamation affirming in his Gettysburg Address in 1863, a new nation conceived in liberty, dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Darwin is best known for the theory of evolution, arguing that men are not created. They are not equal, as some are more evolved than others. In his Descent of Man, 1871, Darwin wrote, quote, Men build asylums for the imbecile, the maimed, and the sick. Thus the weak members propagate their kind. No one who had attended to the breeding of domestic animals will doubt that this must be highly injurious to the race of man. Hardly anyone is so ignorant as to allow his worst animals to breed, unquote. Darwin continued, civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate the savage races throughout the world, unquote. 
whereas Darwin's theory has been used by atheists to explain away God, the last act of Congress signed by Abraham Lincoln before he was shot was to place the phrase, in God we trust, on the national coin. (laughs) So, interesting. 303-873-1935, that's the number if you want to join me on the program. And so I know I don't want to belabor the whole point about um, that he gets a Super Bowl campaign. My, Michael Faust, who is a ChristianHeadlines.com contributor, has posted an article today. It shows a picture of a person washing the feet outside of the family planning clinic in the motel. And like I said, one of the things about the He Gets Us campaign that I found a little disturbing was, again, pro-lifers are villains. And people who believe the Bible is true and make statements like, well, what if Jesus actually wants people to realize that he's the Savior. So Michael Faust writes, one year after the ads by the He Gets Us campaign ignited a social media debate, a new round of Jesus-centric Super Bowl commercials on Sunday found believers divided once again. He writes, this year's He Gets Us ads led with a 60-second commercial that included 12 successive depictions of individuals washing the feet of others. In the ad's final moments, viewers saw words on the screen reading, Jesus didn't teach hate. Jesus washed feet. He gets us, all of us. And then a solo voice singing the INXS tune, Never Tear Us Apart, played in the background. The ad guided viewers to a website, hegetsus.com forward slash love your neighbor, where they can learn about Jesus's ministry, which I talked about in the last segment. The website calls foot washing the perfect example of how we should treat one another, even those people with whom we don't see eye to eye. It was one of the most viewed Super Bowl ads on YouTube with a quarter of a million views some 12 hours after it aired. Quote, Jesus had washed Peter's feet. A loyal friend who would publicly deny that he knew Jesus later that very night, its website says. And even more astoundingly, Jesus washed Judas Iscariot's feet, the one who would betray him for 30 pieces of silver the website says, before it explains the significance of foot washing in ancient times. And then it says, quote, 
how would our contentious world change if we washed one another's feet? Not literally, but figuratively, it asks. Figurative foot washing could be as simple as giving a compliment to a coworker or paying for a stranger's lunch. It could also be as difficult as not responding to someone who's criticizing you or reaching out to an estranged family member. Acts of kindness done out of humility and respect for another person could be considered the equivalent of foot washing, unquote. So the website didn't provide details of the 12 pictures, but said they were intended to show foot washing interactions between people of opposing ideologies. The images include pictures of a police officer washing the feet of a black man, a woman washing the feet of what appears to be an immigrant, or perhaps an illegal alien, a woman washing the feet of another woman outside of a planning, a family planning center, read abortion clinic. And then the He Gets Us campaign website included three Bible passages, John 13, 1 through 17, Matthew 23, 11 and 12, and Luke 7, verses 37 through 50, and that visitors could learn more about Jesus through the Version Bible reading plans that are linked from the website. There in the reading plans, the gospel is presented. The Bible tells us that our sins separate us from God, both now and eternity. Now again, will they get to the reading plan? And will they get to the gospel? Or will they just simply be left with, he gets us? I'll have more. 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back. If you want to join me on the program... It's 303-873-1935. We're talking about the ads on the Super Bowl. And, you know, I've been talking a little bit about the He Gets Us initiative of a group that's called Come Near. And, again, like I said, the He Gets Us website, if you go to the website, it includes the three Bible verses of John 13, verses 1 through 17, Matthew 23, verses 11 and 12, and Luke 7, verses 37 through 50. And uh, apparently visitors can learn more about Jesus through the Version Bible reading plan that are linked from the website. And in those Bible reading plans, the gospel is presented. Uh, quote, the Bible tells us that our sins separate us from God, both now and in eternity. One of the reading plans says, quote, gratefully Jesus makes a way for us to live through his death. He says boldly that he is the only way to be rescued from sin's consequence. It notes John chapter 14, verse 6, the very famous statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Supporters have described the ads as a funnel to the gospel. So, but not everybody is a supporter, and some have some pretty profound criticisms. Now, again, uh, later in the Super Bowl, a 15-second He Gets Us ad 
included a message about loving your neighbor. On X, formerly Twitter, the ads received criticism from both the left and the right, and the ads also split Christians. Um, Let's go at He Gets Us Powerful Commercial, wrote Derwin Gray, who's the pastor of Transformation Church. Um, It says, quote, this is from Mark Davis, who's a Salem radio host. He said, quote, I'm going to be a a glass half full guy. He wrote, I hear the criticism that the he gets us or hashtag he gets us hashtag Super Bowl ads hashtag Jesus is all buddy and no rules. But in this increasingly unchurched age, if people pick up Bibles or start going to church, they'll be exposed to the real Christ. So Mark Davis says, I'll take it. And that's the strongest play I've ever seen, wrote sports commentator Ron Slay. He said, Jesus didn't teach us to hate. I'm here for this commercial. Um, Then uh, Ron Slay wrote, quote, last year I got lambasted by some for criticizing he gets us. But my concerns stand, podcast host Ali Beth Stuckey said, quote, Shouldn't we just be happy? Jesus' name is getting to millions of people. If it's not the biblical Jesus, then no. If you've got the money and opportunity to buy a Super Bowl ad slot, share the gospel. Don't waste it on some ambiguous mumbo-jumbo that makes Jesus into our image rather than depicting him as king and savior. And then uh, blogger Samuel Say wrote, quote, that he gets us ads message isn't that you should worship Jesus. Their message is that Jesus worships you. Ouch. Jesus, uh, Justin Gaboni, president of, uh, of the and campaign, defended the ads. He said, quote, some Christians hated the at he gets us. And because they think it's an insult to show us humbling ourselves to serve people with whom we disagree or they think serving equals affirming sin. He says, reread the Sermon on the Mount. The culture war taught you to focus on fighting them, not Jesus. The point of at he gets us is to spark the interest of nonbelievers, not to present a treatise on Christology in a matter of seconds. Giboni writes, quote, no sin was affirmed in that commercial, but the human dignity of all people was affirmed. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So some pro-lifers criticize the ad for depicting feet washing outside of an abortion clinic. And in the background of the image, you can see the pro-life protesters holding up signs. March for Life's official social media account said the ad promoted the forgiveness of Christ, quote, there's forgiveness and healing after abortion. And at he gets a Super Bowl ad showed that March for Life said on X, formerly Twitter, the ad went through multiple images of followers of Jesus washing the feet of their neighbor, the criminal, the elderly, the classmate, the parent, and yes, an abortion worker, post-abortive and or abortion-minded woman. 
it's unclear as to why the woman is sitting outside of an abortion facility. But it serves as a reminder to us that there's forgiveness, healing, and support. So as you can imagine, in this campaign, everybody is reading into the ad what they want to see. But what's the truth? What is the facts, if you will? And if you look at the people who are behind the ads, people like Ed Stetzer from Wheaton College at the Billy Graham Center, Bill High, Steve French, Jason Van Grude, Bill McKendry, um, there are some problems. They say banal kinds of statements like Jesus left it all on the field to something even more in Scripture like Jesus was a refugee and Jesus was fed up with politics too. Now, again, was Jesus a refugee? Well, again, he fled persecution with his parents when he's a child. He returns from Egypt. Does that make him a refugee? I think that's a fairly narrow definition. Was Jesus fed up with politics? He, I think he was fed up with people trying to trap him by making political statements. But in reality, again, this, the word refugee, along with the images of the campaign, wrongly relate Jesus who sojourned, the Bible, that means to pass through Egypt for a brief stay. Does Jesus' sojourn in Egypt amount to being an illegal immigrant crossing the southern border? Over the years, Super Bowl ads have become filled with all kinds of different star-studded personalities and social engineering agendas. But again, what exactly are Americans being asked to believe about the He Gets Us campaign? And like I said, the He Gets Us was initiated by a group called the Servant Foundation, which operates under the business name The Signatory. And the Signatory is a donor-advised funds group, a DAF, which is an investment firm for charitable donations. Essentially, they oversee monies allocated for charity, growing it via investment, and then distributing it to the designated recipient based on the account holder's desire. So if a philanthropist wants to donate $100 million to charity, and then the fund would manage his money while allocating portions to the charity as a designated. And the signatory was founded by Bill High, who contends that it's a Christian organization with its own statement of faith. Now, Bill High is in retirement, but he built a career branding himself as a rags to riches success story. Um, and he 
co-authored a book, Leadership Not by the Book, 12 Unconventional Principles to Drive Incredible Results by David Green, who's the founder of Hobby Lobby. And so the two have worked together. And so the signatory distributes grants to a large number of ministries. According to their 2020 IRS filing, Apologia Ministries in Tempe, Arizona, Bethel received grants of half a million dollars, and a host of other churches are listed. Now, again, some of those, Alliance Defending Freedom, Museum of the Bible, uh, Answers in Genesis, another million to Campus Crusade, Focus on the Family, Life Church, which includes the Version Bible app. So, hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. Again, the number is 303-873-1935-303-873-1935. And I've been talking a little bit about the the brouhaha behind the He Gets Us campaign. Again, if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303 303- 873-1935. And like I said, um, when you go to the website, it will refer you to a version Bible plan reading program. And um, they offer what's called the recommended plan that's been created by He Gets Us. And on day one of the seven, they employ John chapter 14, verse 27, as a proof text. And again, John 14, 27 is a wonderful passage. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, again, this is from John chapter 14, which I happen to be very familiar with. Um, you'll remember that Jesus is going to offer comfort to his disciples and apostles because um, he's getting ready to leave. He makes the statement that he and the Father are one. He talks about a new privilege of prayer. He talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit and uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's in that context that he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And um, and so what's interesting about that, the devotional proceeds to elaborate. Here's what it says. In his day, Jesus' enemies accused him of enjoying himself too much at parties and hanging out with the wrong people. They feared him because he challenged the norm. Look closely and you'll see Jesus was fearless never backing down from doing what's right, vulnerable, allowing us to get close enough to know him, compassionate, entering into our pain. Now, again, all of that is interesting, but it has nothing to do with the verse about peace and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so part of the challenge is by presenting Jesus as a guy who went to parties and hung out with degenerates, ignoring the fact 
that the sinners and the tax collectors were transformed. And so, again, it wasn't the tax collectors and the sinners who transformed Jesus. It's Jesus who transforms them. And then they say the way Jesus called out the toxic religious and political systems turned history upside down. He's a radical in any decade, which makes him a worthwhile model to live by today. Pause. But how? Let's explore his life together. He came to show, not just tell. Match his words and his actions, and you might be surprised at what you'll find. And again, when we look literally into the life of Jesus, we discover something. That Jesus isn't just simply exposing the religious leaders and the hypocrisy of the law keepers. Now, remember, the law was supposed to be a tutor to bring them to Christ. And then there was the extortion and the misrepresentation in the temple. So according to them, he rebukes the corrupt religious establishment, the ancient equivalent of the people (laughs) funding he gets us. (laughs) Now, he gets us would contend that people reading a single verse out of context is reading the Bible. This is a kind of bait and switch. But I am hoping, I am hoping that maybe they'll do another version devotion. Um, Or maybe literally opening up a Bible where it spells out the gospel. So, again... If you're branding Jesus as a rebellious, radical, anti-establishment whose reputation has been ruined by by conservative evangelical liberal Christians, or as the debate continues to rage, are the people who are watching the commercial actually going to the website? Are they actually going to their Bible? All of that's very, very interesting. 303-873-1935. That's the number. If you want to join me on the program, 303-873-1935. I wanted to um, also get to Jim Dennison's (laughs) forum, uh, where he talks about some of these interesting things as well. But uh, he talks about how millions of fans watch Taylor Swift watch the Chiefs win another Super Bowl. And like I said, more people watch the Super Bowl than have watched any Super Bowl. And it was a Chiefs overtime victory over the 49ers. And then 
more than 16 million mysteriously contracted Super Bowl flu because they failed to show up for work today. So in keeping with Super Bowl traditions, millions of people won't go to work today. Others will show up late. And apparently so many employees skip work the day after the Super Bowl, some state lawmakers are trying to make today an official holiday. And that shouldn't surprise you, I guess. The Super Bowl has been the unofficial national holiday in America for years. But what might surprise you, Jim Dennison points out, is the number of fans watching yesterday's game who've never watched football before because they tuned in to watch Taylor Swift watch the Super Bowl. Now, I don't know (laughs) how that strikes you, but that strikes me as kind of bizarre. Jim Dennison writes, the healing synthesis we seek. He says, quote, the most watched watcher of football finished a four-night concert series in Tokyo on Saturday night, crossed nine time zones to watch her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, make nine catches for the Chiefs in yesterday's game. Legions of her fans known as Swifties, many of whom are new to football, watched the game so that they could watch her watch the game. Journalist David Samuels explains Taylor Swift's popularity. He says, after spending the last 50 years tearing down the structures of family, churches, and government, ethnicity, gender, nations, and borders, a large number of Americans now find themselves struggling to find rhyme and meaning to their life. Well, what does that have to do with Taylor Swift cheering on her boyfriend? Well, I'll tell you when we come back. Hey, welcome back. 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. That's the number. If you want to join me on the program, I was talking about uh, Jim Dennison's uh <laughs> piece at the christianheadlines.com and also at the Denison Forum, his uh, daily article. And he was talking about, uh, well, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. And he quotes journalist David Samuels, who explaining uh, Taylor Swift's popularity, um, he says, quote, the idea that Taylor Swift of all people can find happiness cheering for her boyfriend, a burly, bearded football star, seems well-deserved. It's also an embodiment of the kind of healing synthesis a large majority of Americans want for themselves, unquote. And then Jim Dennison goes on and says, In a day when 76% of Americans believe their country's headed in the wrong direction, and less than half are very satisfied with their own lives. 
Samuel's analysis rings true. Jim Dennison goes on and says, but if we think that we can find healing synthesis, we seek watching a pop star watch a football game, we're going to be disappointed. He goes on and he says, Taylor Swift traveled more than 5,000 miles in her private jet to sit in her private suite at the Super Bowl. The Son of God traveled from heaven to earth, born in a cave, executed on a cross, and then buried in another cave. He says, why? And then he gives an answer from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Fifteen centuries ago, St. Leo the Great explained, quote, Our Lord Jesus Christ, born true man, without ever ceasing to be true God, began in his person a new creation, and by the manner of his birth gave man a spiritual origin. What mind can grasp this mystery? What tongue can fittingly recount this gift of love? Guilt becomes innocence. Old becomes new. Strangers are adopted. Outsiders are made heirs. Rouse yourself, man, and recognize the dignity of your nature. Remember that you were made in God's image, though corrupted in Adam. That image has been restored in Christ. And then consequently, Leo the Great noted, quote, We are born in the present only to be reborn in the future. Our attachment, therefore, should not be to the transitory. Instead, we must be intent upon the eternal. In Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis said, quote, If you want to get warm, you have to stand near the fire. If you want to get wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. Pause and think about what C.S. Lewis just said. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you have to get close to or even into the thing that has them, or we might even say possesses them. C.S. Lewis goes on and says, they are not a sort of prize which God could, if he chose, just hand out to anyone. They are a great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. If you are not, you will remain dry. Once a man is united to God, how could he not live forever? Once man is separated from God, what can he do but wither and die? So Jim Dennison asks, of course, the million-dollar question. (laughs) How can we stand near the fire today? He writes, make Christ the king of your life. 
and day. He says, and he quotes Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's good. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When I was thinking about that statement, I couldn't help but thinking about what does that mean? What does it mean? And of course, the verse's meaning is as direct as it sounds. We seek the things of God as a priority over the things of the world. Primarily, it means we're to seek God himself. We're to seek salvation. So when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, you are the present possessor of salvation. You've been redeemed, or you haven't. And it's inherent in the kingdom of God because it's of greater value than all of the world's riches. What does it profit a human being if he or she gains the whole world? Elon Musk, arguably the richest man in the world, showed up at the Super Bowl. Taylor Swift shows up at the Super Bowl. Tim Cook from Apple shows up at the Super Bowl. (laughs) Does this mean that we should neglect the reasonable and daily duties that help sustain our lives? I don't think so. But for the Christian, there should be a difference in attitude toward them. If we're taking care of God's business as a priority, seeking salvation, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, seeking the salvation, living in obedience, sharing the good news of the kingdom with others, then he's going to take care of business as he promised. And so if that's the arrangement... Why would we worry? So how do we truly seek God's kingdom? Well, there are questions that we can answer. Where do I primarily spend my energy? Is all my time and money spent on goods and activities that are certainly going to perish? Or am I spending myself and my resources on the service of God, which results in living forever. Believers who have learned to truly put God first may then rest in his holy dynamic and all these things will be given to you. God has promised to provide for his own. Philippians 4.19, supplying every need. You know the passage, and my God will Supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So, the negative aspects of king of the kingdom run counter to a heresy that's gaining ground around the world called the prosperity gospel. There's a lot of people who think, well, God wants you to be rich. But that's not counsel from the Bible. The Bible doesn't say, I want you to accumulate vast amounts of wealth. No, the Bible says, no, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. Hey, thanks for joining me. 
Hopefully I'll be back tomorrow taking your calls, answering your questions. Thanks, Jim. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.